A reading from the second letter of St. Paul to the Corinthians. Brothers and sisters, we hold this treasure in earthen vessels, that the surpassing power may be of God and not from us. We are afflicted in every way, but not constrained, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying about in the body the dying of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our body. For we who live are constantly being given up to death for the sake of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. Since then, we have the same spirit of faith according to what is written. I believed, therefore I spoke. We too believe and therefore speak, knowing that the one who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and place us with you in his presence. Everything indeed is for you, so that the grace bestowed in abundance on more and more people may cause the thanksgiving to overflow for the glory of God. The word of the Lord. Those who sow in tears shall reap rejoicing. When the Lord brought back the captives of Zion, we were like men dreaming. Then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with rejoicing. Then they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us. We are glad indeed. Restore our fortunes, O Lord, like the torrents in the southern desert. Those who sow in tears shall reap rejoicing. Although they go forth weeping, carrying the seed to be sown. They shall come back rejoicing, carrying their sheaves.
Dominus Fobiscum. Lexia Sancti Evangelii Secundum Mateum. The eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had ordered them. When they saw him, they worshiped, but they doubted. Then Jesus approached and said to them, All power in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always until the end of the age. Verbum Domini. few days ago, we celebrated the, the martyr St. Ignatius of Antioch. And he said in one of his letters to the churches, he said, the greatness of Christianity lies in its being hated by the world, not in its con being convincing to it. Not in its being convincing to it. That is a, a sign that we do, do not belong in the world, that the world is fallen. The gospel is a new way, a new spirit. And that being hated testifies to the truthfulness. Because we know in a fallen world, there's so, many, so much conflict, so much hatred, so much hurt, and, and just pulverization of the dignity of the human person. And this is the, the greatest witness that the church gives, that the blood of the martyrs is the seed of Christians, that the suffering of Christians, that the willingness in these missionaries that we celebrate today, the North American martyrs, uh, their willingness to want to spread the good news of Jesus Christ, they're willing to suffer for it. And these martyrs in particular in North America uh, were especially heroic. Today, we celebrate St. Isaac Jogue, St. John de Brebeuf, and companion martyrs. There was eight of them all together. They were martyred between 1642 and 1649. And three of the eight were martyred in what is, in today is up in New York, in Arisville, New York, the shrine there. They honor uh, John Leyland and Rene Groupil and uh, Isaac Jogues. John de Brebeuf um, was, he, he was tortured and killed, and we saw he especially had this outstanding power of endurance and courage and was gruesomely tortured. And his torturers cut out his heart, drank his blood, passed it around so that they could drink his blood because. They were so impressed by his courage and his valor that that was believed to be in the blood. He did not have great natural strength. When he entered the seminary, the French Jesuit seminary at the age of 24, 
He couldn't pursue the usual course of study or teach for any length of time. He had tuberculosis as a youth, which weakened him. But for 25 years, he labored among the Huron Indians. He converted 7,000 Indians, composed the dictionary and catechism in their language, and he was martyred in 1649 on March 16th. So in that human weakness of not a great natural strength, he lived by the power of God you know, to do these great, great and generous things in missionary work. St. Isaac Job died three years earlier. He had been imprisoned by the Iroquois for one year and escaped and returned to France. He had been tortured, his forefingers were bitten off, and he had special permission from Pope Urban VII to offer Mass. If he did not have those canonical digits, they call them, you could not offer Mass, but he went to the Pope and was given permission to return to the missions and to be able to offer Mass. And Pope Urban would say, it would be unjust that a martyr for Christ should not drink the blood of Christ. So Isaac Jogues returned to the New World, serving around Quebec, and he worked for peace among the Native Americans and was betrayed by the people he served and was tortured and beheaded October 18th of 1646. And there's also among these eight a story of Father Noel Chabonel. He was another martyr. He was tomahawked. And he was a very interesting case, you know, fascinating story. He served for five years in the missions, and he did not have success with many converts. He had scanty results. He did not have the adaptability of other missionaries. He couldn't learn the language, the Native American culture, their food, the very sight of it was revolting to him. He was a professor, a university, uh, was something of an intellectual from France, and yet he had trouble learning the language and even the children would make fun of him and his superiors described him as serious-natured, energetic, you know, great stability, better than average intelligence. But it didn't translate to his missionary work in terms of an earthly success. And on top of all that, he had this spiritual aridity during his time, you know, in Canada. But he made a solemn vow, and they have the text of that vow today, you can read it. He made a solemn vow in the presence of the Blessed Sacrament to remain until death in the mission to the Native Americans. He's listed among the eight, and that he would have this stability. He would not leave the mission and continue this work. And after the death of the eight martyrs, many tribes that they had come into contact with would be Christianized. So they had this great fruitfulness to subsequent missionaries that came over. Many of the tribes they had contact with, with would eventually you know, be Christianized. And that's, a, that's the way of Christianity. We believe in Jesus Christ. He was a Messiah for us, a savior 
through the cross and through his resurrection. There's no other way around the cross if we're a Christian. That's at the heart of the Christian life, and that's where God does his greatest work of salvation. That's where the most fruitfulness is, when we unite our cross uh, with his. The first reading today from 2 Corinthians chapter 4, we have this famous passage that we hold this treasure in earthen vessels, that the surpassing power may be of God and not from us. We are afflicted in every way, but not constrained, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed, always caring about in the body the dying of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our body. That through the cross, through the suffering, there is a resurrection. That the power of that resurrection, the new life that Jesus gives us, is manifest, is applied, is, bears this wonderful fruit. So we hold this treasure in earthen vessels in the weakness of our fallen flesh, in the weakness of a fallen world, in the weakness of human failure, we have this treasure in earthenware vessels. And Paul, in the previous verse, we don't have it today, he says that treasure is the light of the knowledge of the glory of God, you know, in the face of Christ. This precious light of revelation that we've hopefully received and by faith live by. It has this effect of sanctifying grace within us when we receive the sacraments. That light shines out of the earth and vessels, and it's, I like to think of it if you, as Mother Angelica would say, it's, we're cracked pots, earth and vessels, right? And with those cracks, that light of Christ can get out Right? We just don't hold it to ourselves. But in weakness, people can see, well, it's not him. He's operating by a new power. And that power comes from Christ. So it bears witness in the difficulties, suffering, and struggles that we have, this new power that Jesus gives us, this new life, as Paul says, may also be manifested in our body. So death is at work in us, but life in you. Paul is saying he's suffering and that that fruit of that life is redemptive. It's shared with others. It's operating in you and those he, he works with and missionizes too. It's called redemptive suffering. And it's real. It's real. We see it on a natural level, especially in, in motherhood. A woman bears children, you know, amidst pain and difficulties. I've heard one mother describe it as like, like having children is like taking your heart and having it outside of you and your, and your children. And that kind of suffering and difficulties you hurt when your children hurt, you worry about them, you pray for them, you're not happy unless they're doing well. That's compassion, that's suffering with. That's a deep Marian mystery of the church, the Marian dimension of the church. She stood at the foot of the cross and her compassion, suffering with Christ, she shares in a particular special way 
uh, with the work of redemption. The church imitates that. We have this deep Marian dimension to be lived in faith and to that our sufferings may be fruitful for the church. So we're called to live by a, a new power. These saints today witnessed to that. They suffered terribly, you know, deprivation and torture. They're living by a new power. And that's what we hear in the gospel, the Great Commission, Matthew 28. All power in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. All power has been given to me. That Jesus is in control. And he can send us, he can have us do things that's beyond our natural strength. That this power of the Holy Spirit is working through us. And this great commission is given to all. It's not just to these fanatical missionaries, these black robes. The whole church is on mission. The lay faithful, the religious, everybody. We're called to bear witness to Jesus Christ, to bear witness to this power. It's a power not of ourselves, given to us. The lay faithful are to sanctify the temporal order through the witness of their life, the good works that they do to transform a culture, to make it pro-life for the dignity of the human person at all stages, and in our words to others as well, to, to speak the words of the gospel uh, to others. So Jesus doesn't seem to be concerned about the difficulties in the sense that I'm giving you power to do this. Like yesterday, we had the sending in Luke's, gospel, in Luke's feast, the sending of the 72. You know, I've heard a beautiful reflection that say maybe, maybe they were worried that they weren't going to be received because Jesus tells them, I'm sending you out as lambs, you know, among wolves. And so maybe they were concerned about they were going to be rejected or it was going to be hard. They needed some security maybe extra food supplies, some money, some, a good set of walking shoes, a staff. And Jesus said, I don't want you to worry about any of that. In fact, don't take it at all. He says, you know, take no walking staff. Take, uh, you know, eat what's set before you. And just go and announce this good news. That really makes the point that we're living by the power of God. as the power of that word it's the power of the kingdom coming that's at hand that all this is going to happen. And it's established on Calvary. It is lifting up and through his resurrection. The world cannot suppress that. The world cannot overcome that. The gates of hell will not prevail against the church. That power is woven throughout human history. Pope Francis said that beautifully one time. It's woven in history, and you cannot keep that power down. It, it, it raises itself up. We see it in today's saints. May we be faithful as well.